And uh, he was he was not trusting. There were so many. And when I was in there, you know, I couldn't wear a transmitter because he had all these detection devices. Yeah. Uh, so by the time I got through those layers and I was in the back with him, I mean, if he was going to kill me, you know, th- there was no cover team that was going to save my ass. You are listening to Gangland Wire, hosted by former Kansas City Police Intelligence Unit Detective Gary Jenkins. Hey, all you wiretappers. Uh, In this segment of my interview with Lou Velose, the ATF agent who worked undercover for so many years, he's going to tell us about the time he infiltrated an associate of the Chicago outfit. Now, there was a guy named Mark Poltran who had a was a uh, like a diamond store, a jewelry store, variety of other things, electronics, kind of like a pawn shop, I guess. And in Cicero in Chicago. And, and he worked under Mike Sarno, known also known as Big Mike, who was a, a violent, vicious Chicago outfit boss of, of the new era after everybody had gone to jail. Mark, Mike was he, he was kind of becoming the man. He had a video poker business. He had hired uh, Mark Poltran to go uh, set a bomb under an associate. And, uh, you know, the guy set the bomb off and FBI was already working on this whole crew because they were involved in, in stealing, you know, like truckloads of, of, of uh, TVs and electronics. And that was part of what uh, Lou got into. But Lou was supposed to help solve this bombing because he's ATF. But that's just like a, a cover that they use when they want a good undercover. And, and, and Mark Poltran was a member of the Chicago Outlaws motorcycle gang. And so the, this motorcycle gang, this was their connection to the outfit. And it's really an interesting story how he uh, how he moved in on this guy. I tell you, the first intro into uh, this guy, you got to hear this. It is it is unbelievable. Like, oh my God, it was genius. It was, I mean, true genius how he got in and got the guy's confidence. And it was like, I don't know, a year long or more operation. They ended up taking Poltran down and Sarno down. And, and uh, matter of fact, Sarno just was trying to get out saying he had COVID. I think he was so fat. Uh, uh, you know, if you're, if you're obese, you have a problem, more problem with COVID, but he, he didn't. And I don't think he's going to, but this is quite a story. So just sit back and listen. Thanks, folks. So you mentioned about uh, some mob activity, uh, the primary focus of this podcast. One last thing. Can you tell us a little bit about what you did with a uh, was it a mob uh, crew of, that you infiltrated and, and did some deals with? Yeah, it was uh, it was a bizarre case. Um, it was the the outfit up in Chicago. They call them the outfit. Yeah, that's what they call the mafia up there. And I actually went up there. The case originated because they had done a bombing. This guy himself had done a bombing. Um, they were putting in their uh, video, video poker, video gambling machines into businesses around mm-hmm. Chicago. And if they approached you because they wanted to put the the gambling machines in, you know, they weren't really asking you, right? Yeah. You know, and a mob kind of tells you what to yes. do. And I, I, I don't remember exactly what happened, but someone wasn't going along with, with the program. And you know what happens when you don't go along with yeah. the mob's program, right? So yeah. they blew the place up. And uh, it was actually the one time that I saw that the FBI and the ATF work, actually worked together mm-hmm. productively. Um, the only time in my career. And so uh, 
The FBI had sent three, uh, three guys after this guy, two dirty cops and another guy. And they were all childhood friends of his that the FBI had flipped. Yeah. And this guy had sniffed all of them out. He was a sharp guy. He was not a convicted felon. He had never been convicted of anything. Very smart, uh, very cautious. So uh, that, my guy, the ATF guy up there, he was, you know, obviously there were Italians and uh, this guy was a big fight fan, of, you know, the MMA stuff and all yeah. that. So he had an idea. He's like, you know what? He was talking, thinking of me. He goes, I got a guy who I can send in cold on this guy and let's give it a shot. See if he can work, run his game, just cold. Um, so he had this, the, the guy who, um, I was going after had a, um, jewelry store, a jewelry business in, uh, Cicero, which is where Capone's headquarters yeah. were, right, in Chicago. And it was a total front for criminal activity, right? There was like three layers to get in and it, he had, his back room was, that's where the mafia dealing bikers, uh, gangster disciples, you name it. He was dealing with all of them back there. And uh, so my buddy's idea, he was at his dentist's office and he asked his dentist, he goes, man, you got any gold crowns that you've pulled out, you know, that you keep? Dentist opened up a drawer, pulls out all these gold crowns with the teeth still in them and blood oh. <laughs> Yeah, oh, my God, what a, what a calling card. I see where you're going. Yep. So my buddy bought these from him with ATF money, put them in a crown royal bag, ah. sent me over there cold because the guy did have a sign out there saying we buy gold. Yeah. So we did a whole backstory. I went up there. I started training at this MMA gym up there. And uh, that was my reason for being up there. And so I went in cold with this bag of gold teeth, put them on. A, he had a little hole in a turnstile, you know, bulletproof glass. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, you know, so he was like, well, take the, you know, get the teeth out. And, and I was like, are you, are you kidding me? Like, you know, a tooth and a crown, you know, I'm trying to smash him. So he hands me a hammer and I'm on the ground trying to smash him. <laughs> he's looking at me like jerk off. So he's like, give it to me. So obviously he had done it before, you know, and he got him out. And uh, I was able to get a little bit of conversation. And, you know, I went back with more teeth. Yeah. And he asked me what I was doing. I told him the fight and the whole deal. To make a long story short, after months and months, I finally got in with this guy hmm. from that cold start with the teeth. And uh, my whole, it was the first time I ever, uh, my objective was not to buy guns or dope. Yeah. My object objective was to buy um, stolen electronics from this guy. You know, they were doing the mob thing where they would hit, you know, a truck. They oh, would yeah. Like, like a, a truck of flat screens going to Best Buy, right? Yeah. But you know how they do it. Like the driver walks away. He parks yeah. and walks away, right? And uh, But uh, I guess the FBI was having trouble because they couldn't put the merchandise back to the ship. I guess they make so much money on these, like as far as tracking serial numbers and lot numbers. For these, yeah, they don't. Best records. Yeah. Uh, so they wanted, they wanted to start buying them directly from where he was moving them. Um, and I, I mean truckloads he was moving. So that was my goal, which to me was bizarre, right? You know, I was an ATF agent and I was supposed to buy flat screen TVs and surround yeah. sound. <laughs> and uh, he was he was not trusting. There were so many. And when I was in there, you know, I couldn't wear a transmitter because he had all these detection devices. Yeah. Uh, so by the time I got through those layers and I was in the back with him, I mean, if he was going to kill me, 
you know, th- there was no cover team that was going to save my ass. Yeah. Uh, he couldn't, you know, even the local cops would tell him, hey, man, he would get a call while I was in there. Hey, man, the feds are out here. They're sitting on your place. Yeah, you know oh, how man, they, yeah. they knew because, you know, there's that easy pass thing. Uh, yeah. In almost every city, you know, Chicago. When you're, Well, I guess like the people of Cicero, like that is such a little community. No one who lives there has that because they don't leave that. They don't even leave their little town. So they knew when they saw a car out there with that easy pass, who would just <laughs> me, that, those were the feds. That's great, man. Yeah. I'd be in there and he would get the call. Hey, man, the feds are sitting out front. God. You know, he had cameras and all that shit. Yeah. So uh, it was a wild case. You know, there came a point in that case where he asked me to go to a strip joint with him in Chicago. And uh, I didn't even realize, I didn't know it was his birthday. And we're sitting there. It was his 40th birthday. And he's telling me, he's like, you know what? He goes, man, he goes, I can't even trust the people around me. I can't trust the people I grew up with. That's where I'm at in my life. Yeah. You know, he goes, I, you know, he, he was thanking me for being, being with him, being trustworthy and all that. And I'm thinking the whole time, man, you picked, you picked <laughs> the wrong person, you know, to be trusting. And, uh, uh, it, it was very successful. He actually got 60 years. That was the biggest sentence I've ever got. Wow. 60. And, uh, you know, it was a huge trial to mafia and, and, uh, they were working together with the outlaws motorcycle gang. Um, oh yeah, I remember. What was that guy's name? I'd know it, but I, you remember his name? I'll look main, it up. The main guy was Mike Sarno. Yeah, Mike Sarno. Right, yeah, right. Sarno. I, I, That's who I this guy directly this. worked for. His name was Mark Polchan, and he okay. worked directly for Sarno. What was his last name? Polchan. P O L H A N. Okay, he, all right. He just got his sentence reduced from sixty years to thirty years um, on some technicality. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, 30 years is long enough, uh, I think. Yeah, probably. That Mike Sarno, he was a bad dude, too. He but was. Yeah. yeah I remember, everybody I remember, in that crew, they were bad. They called him the large guy, huge guy. He would come yeah, into them. Right. Everyone would kiss the ring and all that. Um, yeah, it was, a, it was a wild case. I did that for a year up there. Very Man. different case. The most Very different than anything I had ever done. So when you did like that case, where did you live? You just rented an apartment somewhere down there in Cicero, somewhere kind of in the neighborhood and lived that? They kept me out of there. They, okay. You know, they, the, the gym we found was in a place called Naperville, which is. Yeah. Uh, for, and so I was out that way. So so where you actually slept at night, you kind of kept that off the books and away from, from any of those guys, which was smart. I mean, I don't know how you I, could sleep at night dealing with these people and, 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 you know, could not be comfortable if they knew where you lived. Yeah, I, I didn't. I didn't want to be like spending every day, uh, you know, with this guy. And yeah, yeah, he ran a, he ran a nightclub downtown. I had to go there and, uh, you know, it was, I'd say personally, it was terrible for me. I mean, he, he would nothing but bringing me over drinks nonstop and all that. And after a while, I just, man, it was an unhealthy lifestyle. You know <laughs> <Yeah>. what <I> <laughs> mean? <laughs> that undercover deal is pretty unhealthy is when it oh comes to the it's drinking awful. and smoking. They kind of have to, I mean, you almost have to, I, I think a guy might be able to play it off and, and say, Oh, you know, I'm, I'm in recovery, but it just doesn't, you, you're just not going to really pull it off. I don't think. No, you know, it was easy to play off the dope, right? Because yeah, that's not, that's most, easy. Of, most of the guys who are serious don't do dope. Right. Most of the bad guys. So it was, but yeah, the drinking was, there was no getting around that, man. Yeah. You were drinking. Yeah. It's almost they take it as an affront if you don't have a drink yep. with them, especially. Yep. The, was he one of these guys that had to, every time you took a drink, he said salute <laughs> and then oh, took absolutely. a drink? 
Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I drank with one of those guys once. <laughs> yeah, and was, they uh, never put the glass to their lips without saying salute. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Lou, this has been a, uh, I, I'm like, my, my mind's turned about another question to ask. This is, you know, this has been great. Is there anything else you want to add? You know, I just, you know, my book, which came out uh, about a month and a half ago, Storefront Sting and ATF Agents Life Undercover. So it mostly tells the tale of these storefront, the four storefront operations that I did, that I ran from, you know, beginning to finish. And, uh, you know, I, I just started out kind of with, what the things that I was doing before these storefronts, uh, before the storefront opportunity came to me, you know, I was doing murder for hires. I was doing gang uh, infiltrations. Um, but again, w- once I got a taste of this storefront and I saw the, it kind of, it kind of became my calling card when I saw the results, yeah. you know, from the same effort and, and, you know, how much greater the, the results were. Uh, but I, I also kind of um, interject uh what happens to you personally when you live this life and you do it for too long and who gets hurt by that? And that, that's your family. Yeah. Uh, and that's your friends. And so it's kind of uh, a theme throughout because uh, it's a story of great professional success, but it ends in professional and personal failure uh, because I ran it right into the ground. Yeah. I'm, I'm not, unfortunately I'm not alone in that. A lot of my colleagues have done the same thing, but, you know, kind of by the end, toward the end of the book, I'm receiving all sorts of awards, man. OCDF case of the year, yeah. uh, DOJ project, safe neighborhood, gun crime investigation of the year, gang investigation of the year, U S attorney's office agent of the year. But you know what awards weren't coming my way? Father of the year, yeah. husband of the year, friend of the year. Yeah. So, you know, I kind of end the book that way with, you know, that, that's how I ended up. I, I lost my priorities because the job doesn't care about you. You know that, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. You leave and you're replaced. Or what, what are you doing for me today? <laughs> and if you're not doing anything for me today, let's find somebody else. Yep. It, the job goes on. Yeah. And uh, if you've neglected what's important in your life, you got a lot of making up to do. Yeah. And I did. Uh, yeah. You know, and I'm so and I'm still there. I'm still making up for. It. But so that's kind of the point of the book. It's It's not a tough guy. Um, you know, ride off on a Harley in the sunset ending (laughs) at all. And it's a story. It's a real story about what it's really like to work undercover, what it does to you, but it's, it's a wild ride and it's super exciting. You know, it's great stories. (laughs) In a way I had uh, Giovanni Russo from uh, New Jersey. He was, uh, he was a local cop that of course ended up working cases with the bureau, I believe. And, and he reports a lot of the same thing and his Giovanni's ring, I think is the name of his book. And, and he reports a lot of the same thing and, and deals with that in his book. So it's, it's a common theme among you guys. And, and, and I can see why, I mean, I, I knew enough of you, uh, cause I didn't, you know, just a little bit I did when I was young and drinking a lot, you know, I was not the father of the year. I wanted to be in there. I wanted to be in there on surveillance, be in there sitting in a bar where the mob guys were coming in. It was, you know, it was like, became this lifestyle and the time I'm 38, I'm realizing, okay, nah, that's, you know, let's, <laughs> let's knock off this drinking. Let's get promoted. Let's move on into something else. And, and, uh, but Smart. I didn't, I didn't keep it up. All right, Lou, I really appreciate you coming on the show and uh, I will let you know when I get this up. Storefront Sting, an ATF agent's life undercover. Uh, And remember, if you are a friend 
are suffering from PTSD, check out the Veterans Administration resources. Uh, just go to Google and Google PTSD and Veterans Administration or VA, and you'll find that website and you'll find there's a hotline and there's links there to, to help you find uh, uh, resources to uh, deal with that problem. And remember, look out for motorcycles on the road and stay safe. Bye, folks. Get it on Amazon. All right, cool.